and caffeine. What, right what was that, Dylan? Speaking of what? going on fellow streamers welcome back to another episode of streamer season the exclusive tv and movie podcast on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network it's kb and dylan coming at you and dylan since you've been using your your new device to record these episodes i'm feeling super short right now because <laughs> i'm currently in a dispute with uh the the company who makes this chair because we've barely had these chairs in the studio for we haven't had these chairs in the studio for two years yet Oh, and man. this chair is already like caving in. There's like a rip on it that I don't know where it came from, and they're giving me the hardest time. Uh, so I'm like, damn, I feel like Bobby Frick right now. Bobby um, Frick. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot to dive into this episode. Ton, a ton of content dropping today as we record this on Wednesday. Obviously, we've got Obi Wan Kenobi episode four. We're going into more of our Stranger Things anthology, and breaking down episode 5 of volume 1 for season 4. I just did that in complete reverse order. Uh, and then Miss Marvel episode 1 dropped today, and I'm very excited to talk about this show. We're back in the MCU, finally, for the first time since Moon Knight. And of course, we've got the streaming platform Multiverse News and Notes, everybody's favorite segment on this goddamn show. Hell yeah. But before we get started... Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at StreamerSZN on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, join our Twitter communities. That is a safe place, safe place, <laughs> space <laughs> to talk about movies, shows, everything. We just ask that if it's brand new. stuck in the upside down right now. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's hanging out a billion barb. A little bit. Uh, I might have one of those tentacles in my mouth. Um, but, hey, right? Uh, join our Twitter communities because that is the place to come talk about TV shows and movies on streaming platforms. We just ask that for 24 hours if it's brand new, keep it spoiler keep free. Silent. Uh, just for the people who may not be able to watch it immediately, like Dylan and I do every single week for you guys. Yeah, we we, we power through. Like today, I literally took a bathroom break at work and finished Kenobi. Today was. I didn't mission. even have to go in the bathroom. I was dedication. Obi Wan. Poop Noby. <laughs> I was going to make a poop joke, but I couldn't get it in. <laughs> well, Dylan, uh, hopefully if all things go right, we might be able to make more poop jokes uh, in the very near future with a potential sponsor on the way. Um, but make sure you're following us on the socials. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews with what, Dylan? You're going to leave it with a review, and in that review, it's going to state uh, what show 
on any streaming service out there, you want Kyle and I to watch. Um, I've been saying this almost every single time, and I'll keep saying it. I don't know why I went Southern there. Oh, still doing it. I don't know why I went Southern there. I tell you what. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you. Uh, no, just I said, I said, I said. Clearly, we, we, we push through and watch these shows on, on a regular basis for you, so we value your opinion. And if you give us an opinion and give us something to watch, we'll listen and look into it. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot on the docket right now, but obviously, like, Dylan got sent Chernobyl. I got sent the comedy show uh, on Peacock. Like, we, we compile the list and we have it for when there's those down moments when we're not getting full-blown content. Uh, yeah, like in a little bit. Board. We're going to be out of Stranger Things and Obi-Wan soon. I'll just be focused on Which, this tomorrow. wildly enough, Obi-Wan will be done before Stranger Things because we're going to do episode five this week. Next week will be six. The following week will be seven. And then we'll have a week off. And then, boom, we have uh, two full-length feature episodes for volume two. Um, so there's a lot to dive into there. But we keep the list compiled and we make sure that we, you know, are ready to rock and roll with it um, for you guys once it rolls around. But of course, keep sending those submissions for shows and movies, all that good stuff. Whether they're full-length movies, shorts, anything like that, um, we will check them out. I also added the Chippendale movie to our list because we'll eventually be watching that for all the yes, bananas Easter eggs in that thing. <laughs> um, and of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes and you can see Dylan and I's ugly mugs every single week talking <laughs> about yeah. your favorite shows and movies. It really means a lot when you hit the subscribe button, click the like button, hit the bell icon, comment down below with your favorite shows and movies or your thoughts on the topics we're talking about on the current episode you're watching. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Tomahawk Shades, summertime is here. When you guys are outside watching your favorite shows and movies on some giant jumbo uh, inflatable projector screens, or when you're inside, you get your sunglasses, your blue light glasses, and everything in between at TomahawkShades.com. Yes, sir. And you can use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, Dylan's beverage of choice. And you get some more, actually. If you guys want, Kenwood, you want to send me some, I'm all out currently. Dylan is, uh, he, Dylan's as dry as the sands of Tatooine right now when it comes to Kyle, his Kenwood beer. Kyle, you always find a way to make a sick... Uh, Dylan feels you. like he's in the upside down. Uh, he needs more Kenwood. So go to KenwoodBeer.com and use that Kenny tracker to see who's got it on tap in the Philadelphia area. You gotta be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And the homies over at Bino. Dylan, we've been, uh, we've been constructing and building and the Underground Bino League is almost ready to take off. So Dylan will be in studio soon so he can get some matches in for the UBL. I'm going to have to come in studio for that. That's crazy. It's going <laughs> to be nuts. I'm excited. My brain has been running a gazillion miles a minute. There might be some matches being filmed later tonight uh, that you'll see maybe this weekend. Uh, but the UBL is coming, and it's all thanks to Bino. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com and use our code BinoUSP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 10% off your order to get your own board, get accessories, get merch, all that good stuff. Use our code. You get 10% off with BinoUSP. Dylan, let's yeah, head yeah. to those. Let's head to uh, not the sands of Tatooine per yeah, se. I was going to say, it's a water planet this time, my yeah. guy. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, we've got wet water. water. Squirtle. 
Um, so we we kicked this episode a, a lot shorter of an episode this week for Obi Wan yeah, Kenobi episode like, four. Thirty four minutes. If I think, that, was, I think it was like thirty minutes. Yeah. Pre credits. Um, so Obi Wan wakes up to find himself in a starship flown by Tala and Tala and her droid Ned B uh, tend <laughs> to Kenobi. <laughs> my yeah, name is Ned. It's my boy Ned. Yo, my boy Ned. Uh, through we flashbacks, <laughs> Kenobi remembers being carried by Tala and her operatives to safety. While submerged inside a Bacta tank, Kenobi is haunted by memories of his earlier duel with Darth Vader. Panicking, Kenobi climbs out of the Bacta tank, and Tala reveals that they are on the planet uh, Jabim. Uh, and Kenobi asks about Leia's whereabouts. Panicking? You mean panicking? Oh, panicking, <sighs> Skywalker. Uh, I really like this scene where it was kind of just the back and forth flashbacks yes. of Obi Wan and Anakin in the back of the tanks, and them kind of like giving you their point of view of what was going on during that battle. I thought the the bounce back cinematography of that was really well done. Well, it's showing they're also both in the back of the tank now, so it's like symbolism. You know, what I mean, like now Obi Wan's getting a, a a slight taste, which was Darth Vader's intention of what he has to go through on a essentially daily basis. Yeah. And uh, like I said last week, so that's how Obi Wan got that much older in nine years. Yeah, he got literally dragged through the dirt. <laughs> uh, and this this location of where we are going to be makes me laugh every time I hear it. Uh, at Fortress Inquisitorius. Yeah, it's kind of like when you give like a twelve year old uh, like <laughs> no no creative limits, and they're like they just. Put the same word twice. I don't blame. I did the same thing, but yeah, that's what it sounds like. I laugh every time. I'm like, this is supposed to be this like fierce, ferocious, like evil place. Welcome to Fortress Inquisitorius. It sounds like something that would be in uh, what's that game that always gets advertised on YouTube? Oh, uh, either Clash of Clans or uh, uh, Rage Shadow Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sign up now with our code and you get access to Fortress Inquisitorious, along with a hundred free coins. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great deal. <laughs> not a sponsor, but if Raid wants to sponsor us. So, Obi-Wan did not sign up. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're at Fortress Inquisitorious on the ocean moon of Newer. Uh, a defiant Leia tells her stormtrooper captors that she is the daughter of a senator and a princess of Alderaan. And the third sister, Reva, comes back in, uh, which I thought this episode was, once again, incredible for Reva as a character. I, I really, yes, really like her character. I will agree. I'm liking her character more as the show goes on, and that's that's a sign of good storytelling. And I, yes. I like I like where her character's at right now, I guess you could say. She's, she's very similar to Anakin in the sense of, like, she does whatever it takes. Does whatever it takes and is extremely like reckless and does not think through the actions. Although we learn later in the episode, she's a little smarter than you think too, which is cool. Yes, you know, that's, I give her, give her credit for that. Uh, she enters the interrogation room, stating that the Empire doesn't tolerate Jedi sympathizers, and she also claims that Kenobi is dead and that nobody is coming for her. Uh, so then, on Jabim, Tala and Kenobi approach Roken. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's your boy Jabim. They had fun with the planet names this season. Yes, uh, they approach Roken, who wants Kenobi to leave on the first transport on the grounds that he is putting them in danger. Uh, and Kenobi sees Roken's assistance is rescuing uh, Leia, but Roken is unwilling to help. 
Tala stresses Leia's importance to their work, but Roken doesn't want to risk exp uh, exposing their operations, and Kenobi pleads with Roken, but he warns that he has no idea what the Empire is capable of, and Roken talks about the pain of losing his Force-sensitive spouse to the Inquisitors. Yeah, he fact-checks Obi-Wan right quick. <laughs> Who do you think was his spouse? I think it was probably a nobody, unless they want to explore the character more. And it had to be someone who survived Order 66. Correct. Obviously, as well, so that narrows down the pool. Also, Roken was played by the one and only O'Shea Jackson, um, who came out on Twitter last week uh, after everything that was going on with the actress that plays Reva and all the racist comments from the scumbag Star Wars fans, quote-unquote fans, uh, and said, can't wait to see, can't wait for y'all to see what my character does. And uh, he does a great job in this episode. I really liked his character, and I hope he's involved more uh, as the story unfolds. Great. Um, Roken ultimately agrees to help Obi-Wan, and later he briefs he and Tala about the water moon of Noor in the Mustafar system. Roken's intelligence suggests that Lord Vader is still on his ship, but he believes uh, that the Sith Lord is close. Roken's rebel comrades Wade, Rasselian, and Sully uh, discuss infiltrating Fortress Inquisitorius with Roken, who describes it as the Inquisitor's command center and training facility. Sully admits that they don't know what lies inside the fortress, and Roken reveals that the facility is unshielded since the Inquisitors believe that nobody's stupid enough to attack. Uh, well, you big dummies. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, after this episode, they put shields. Oh, yeah. Raise the shields. Uh, Kenobi proposes using T-47 airspeeders to land at the facility, and Sully dismisses the idea since the airspeeders are used for hauling sewage. It's pretty shitty. <laughs> Also, why would sewage speeders need lasers? But I don't know. <laughs> you gotta zap through the poo. That's, you know what, Kyle? You might be right. It might be. It might be bantha poo. That's a lot. Of, oh man, that's a lot of poo. That's a lot of poop. Uh, Kenobi is unwilling to abandon a child and volunteers to go alone. And Sully points out that Kenobi is still wounded. Tala volunteers to accompany Kenobi for the rescue mission using her officer clearance to get him inside Fortress Inquisitorius. Kenobi asks if her cover is still intact, prompting Tala to reply that they will find out soon. We're going as the real ones say, they're going to fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah, that is what they say. They do be saying that. They do be saying it. Uh, Kenobi and Tala travel on Tala's ship to Noor, and during the journey, Kenobi reassures Tala that he will be all right while practicing with levitation. Tala says that some things take time to heal, and Kenobi responds that some things cannot be forgotten. Tala replies that he has to try since he cares about Leia. And we go back to the interrogation as Reva informs a handcuffed Leia that the Inquisitors intercepted a transmission on Balnab last Balnab. year, uh, which exposed a secret network known as the Path. The third sister explains that the Inquisitors uncovered another safe house in two systems, and she seeks Leia's help in locating other members of the path. When Leia asks how Kenobi died, Reva claims that he was burned to death on Mapuzo. Uh, Reva claims that the other members of the path abandoned Kenobi and offers to let Leia return to her family if she reveals where the path is. Leia replies that she doesn't know anything about the path, prompting Reva to reiterate uh, her demand. Now, I'm curious about what the path is, because... It seems s sort of kind of important. Yeah, 
it's definitely like goading you on in the sense of like you're you're it's making the audience very curious and it's kind of guiding you down on what it might be. Um, I definitely want to know too. I, I feel like it's more or less what they said in the other episode. Like it's just them smuggling people. So I just pulled it up here. Uh, the organization type, Dylan, it is uh, very similar to us. It's an underground network. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we, we, we respect that. The Path was the name used by some members of an underground anti-imperial network that operated on Mapuzo and other planets during the Great Jedi Purge. The Path worked uh, to shelter Jedi and other Force sensitives from the Empire in several hidden locations across the galaxy, smuggling them to safety and giving them new identities. Three members of the network were Imperial Officer Taladurith, uh, the Loader Droid, our boy Ned, uh, and then Jedi Master Quinlan Voss, who we talked about last week. Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan were assisted by the network in circa 9 BBY, being granted passage to Jabim. So that's what Jabim. the path really is. It's your boy Jabim. It's uh, your boy Jabim. <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it we always goes. Like, like 45 like, minutes and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. So that's the path for everybody that may not know exactly what it, it, it truly was from last week's episode when we heard the name drop of Quinlan Voss, um, who a lot of people are potentially speculating might have saved Grogu uh, from Order 66, but still a lot of things to dive into with uh, a lot that's gone on in this show. But uh, infiltrating Fortress Inquisitorious. Tala's yeah. shuttle lands in, in the fortress, Hangar Bay, and she mingles among the various Imperial officers and stormtroopers and walks towards a checkpoint. When so questioned by fired, right? the sentries. <laughs> fired? He's getting force choked to death. <laughs> Tala states that she has a Class C clearance and submits her cylinder. A security officer scans her cylinder but denies her entry on the grounds that she is outside her sector. Tala manages to convince the security officer to permit her entry by threatening to report him to the Grand Inquisitor and claiming that she possesses classified intelligence. And I thought this moment was brilliant <laughs> acting, just awesome badassery, and that dude absolutely, to stay on brand with the theme of this episode, pooped his pants. He definitely pooped his pants. The dude was, you could see the veins. He was like, <laughs> um, 
And he definitely is going to get murdered after that. Uh, once inside, she contacts Kenobi, who is swimming in the nearby sea with a breathing apparatus, and Talit guides Kenobi towards a port control, which she has overridden. Kenobi swims through the port entry and overpowers the Stormtrooper sentry. He then enters the base, uh, which Obi-Wan is just... He's known for breaking into these bases. He, he teach, And he hands it down. It's its a skill passed down generation to generation. Uh, so it's not his first time doing that with yeah. a breathing apparatus either. Not his first rodeo. Uh, meanwhile, no, Reva does a mind probe of Leia, who remains defiant. And while Reva is distracted, Leia releases her droid, our old friend Lola... Uh, however, Reva catches the droid, and she reveals that she had a droid when she was younger, but that it was taken from her, just like everything else. And elsewhere, Tala uh, relays information about Leia's location within the fortress to Obi-Wan, and Tala is confronted by an Imperial officer who is suspicious about her presence and ushers her away to verify her identity. Tala leaves her comlink behind, leaving Kenobi to navigate the fortress alone, and when Obi-Wan eludes a patrolling seeker droid, the stormtroopers uh, and stormtroopers by hiding inside a shaft. Uh, after returning to her console, Tala contacts Kenobi with her comm link, and this draws the attention of the stormtroopers, but the fugitive Jedi uses the force to distract them. Tala reassures Obi-Wan that she had some company, but that she has uh, but that she's eliminated the threat, revealing that she has incapacitated said officer. Yeah, he's taking the dirt nap. <laughs> and in this case, a bench nap. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Reva attempts to secure Leia's uh, cooperation by claiming that the people she is trying to protect are not coming for her, and Reva tells Leia that she alone can save herself before reiterating her question. Uh, Leia pretends to cooperate, but asks Reva to promise that nobody will get hurt. She asks Reva if she can ask her father, and when Leia... Uh, is un gotcha. with, <laughs> can, <laughs> with Leia unwilling to cooperate, Reva orders the stormtrooper guards to prepare Leia for torture. Leia is defiant and vows uh, not to tell her captors anything. And then elsewhere, we've got Obi-Wan using uh, a pass to gain entry into a secure chamber whose doors are marked with the red Imperial symbols, and he discovers the remains of several fallen Jedi, including a youngling, and the stormtroopers fasten Leia into a torture harness while Leia cries for help. Yeah, that, was pretty, that was pretty messed up seeing them like in like wax form almost <laughs> like a wax museum but like could you recognize any of no, the ones I that they Lance, like flash to i've only watched it once so yeah. i'll go back and check the internet so sorry about that folks but yeah i only I watched it once too. i didn't I... recognize anyone i didn't know if they were gonna be like oh here's somebody and like confirm you know deaths or like show anything from clone wars or something like that just in live action but I couldn't really make out any of the, the... I think it was like four of them that they showed, um, including that youngling. Um, Killing younglings. Reeve is determined to extract the information that she believes Leia possesses through torture, and as the machine lights up, the third sister gives Leia a final chance, but she refuses to cooperate. Sensing Leia is in danger, Kenobi asks Tala to create a distraction. As two needles approach Leia, an officer enters the interrogation chamber with a message from Tala. Reva grants Tala an audience, and Tala claims that the Path insurgents operate from Florum in the sector, uh, in the Surtar sector, using a salvage business as a front. Tala advises the Third Sister to send Imperial forces immediately to crush the network, but Reva realizes that she's lying. Lying to me is what she's basically saying. 
Meanwhile, Kenobi shuts down the lights in the interrogation chamber and he takes out both Stormtrooper sentries uh, with his lightsaber and frees Leia from the torture harness. I wanted to bring yeah, this up last week and I yeah, totally forgot. Uh, is this the very first time, like this show, I think, is the first time we've heard different voices from the Stormtroopers? Yeah, because canonically they all are real people. Right. And normally, Only initially, when they first took over, they used the clones, and then the clones die or age and decelerate rate, so they had to get volunteers. Which is, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't think about bringing it up. Last That's week, an I, little detail. I heard it, and I was like, "Since the first time," and then I heard it like different voices again. I was like, "Oh, this is cool. I like it a lot." It is awesome. It, it's funny though that one stormtrooper was like, "Stay where you are." Or Stay where you are. I was Don't like, move, oh, buddy. You're dead. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> Jedi's care about <laughs> lives besides the wind, the, the, the stormtroopers. So, like, yikes! So then uh, he frees Leia from the torture harness, and Leia is relieved uh, to know that Kenobi is alive, and tells him that she did not tell the Empire anything. Elsewhere, she didn't Riva, know anything. That's what yeah. bothered me. Like, as so far as we tortured. know, what do you know? And she's like, uh, I like to go play hide and seek. Yeah, as far as we know, she knows nothing. Um, and then elsewhere, Reva questions how Leia and Kenobi escaped an Imperial checkpoint on Mapuzo. Tala claims that she is an Imperial spy who infiltrated the path and claims that Kenobi is on Florum. Kenobi uh, and Leia are pursued by a seeker droid, and as Reva orders her troops to take Tala for interrogation, the fortress's klaxons begin ringing. Uh, Kenobi contacts Tala via comlink, inadvertently Klaxon, distracting Klaxon. her stormtrooper captors. Uh, this allows Tala to break free and take them out with a blaster, and Kenobi uses his lightsaber to take out the pursuing Seeker droid and stormtroopers in the fortress's corridors. Kenobi and Leia flee into a tunnel, and as Reva, a purge trooper, and stormtrooper reinforcements close in on them, Kenobi deflects their blast, sealing the uh, blast door on their end of the tunnel. That purge trooper looks so cool. I was just I'm making, I was waiting <laughs> to make sure you say that. I was going to say purge trooper. It's the same thing as, um, did you see Rogue One or no? I haven't. Okay, I don't know if you've seen the. I like, will the be death... watching it before we uh, before we watch Andor though. The, the Death Troopers. Uh, yeah. They look, they look. They're really cool. But yeah, I agree. It they gave me awesome. like it, this gave me vibes of the the things we saw in Mando season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixed with the Stormtrooper, it was like, oh, let's we're gonna take this. And then we're gonna take this, and we're gonna mash them together, and then we're it's gonna like that make video this. of uh, the lady is cooking and just a little bit of vodka, and she pours <laughs> like the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Even a lot of vodka. That's great. Um, Kenobi uses the force to delay a cracking window while Tala reunites with Leia, and the purge trooper and stormtroopers force their way through the door. And Kenobi releases their broken window, causing the tunnel to flood, and the trio escape onto the other side of the tunnel, which they seal temporarily with the blast door. Tala and Kenobi reach the main hangar, and Kenobi dons an Imperial great coat with Leia hiding underneath, which just reminded me of that scene from Bojack Horseman. With Bojack. The kid. Yo, um, Obi had drip in that coat, bro. Facts. That hat, he was styling and profiling. Uh, <laughs> Even though he looked out of place because he had a beard. And not yes. a single other Imperial officer had a beard, but... The Imperial officers are just the New York Yankees and New York Islanders of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like how they're exploring... 
going off the voice thing again, one more tangent. Not tangent. I do like how they're hinting and exploring that not, and also the main character, like the girl, the woman who's defected. I, I like how it's exploring that just because they're in the Empire doesn't necessarily mean they're an innately evil person. Yes. Uh, granted, if you're on the Inquisitor's 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 station, you might be an asshole. But like, my point is, like, the average Imperial, like, low-level officer or stormtrooper, that's just their job. <laughs> I'm an Inquisitor, and my name is Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Certain ones, yeah, they're the dude douches. Meanwhile, Dylan's favorite Inquisitor, the fifth brother, orders that the Fortress Inquisitorius. What do you mean my favorite? In. The internet, it's everyone's favorite. I've checked the internet. Just so. canonically on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, he orders that the Fortress Inquisitorius be locked down, blaming the third sister for mishandling the situation. He's accompanied by the fourth sister. And before Tala, Kenobi, and Leia can escape, Reva and several purge troopers and stormtroopers catch up with them, and she denounces Tala as a traitor to the Empire. Tala replies that she was never who she was, and Reva then says that she will die for nothing before motioning for the assembled Imperial soldiers to shoot them. Before the Imperials can carry out uh, on their execution, a pair of T-47 airspeeders strafe the Imperial forces on the platform, Tala, Kenobi, and Leia take advantage of the chaos to flee, and Tala and Kenobi gun down several stormtroopers and a mouse droid during their escape. It Sully was and... a massacre. Yes, they were firing their lasers. Let's just say there's a lot of widows after yeah. that scene. Uh, Tala and Kenobi gun down several stormtroopers, like I said, and Sully lands her airspeeder and evacuates uh, Tala, Kenobi, and Leia. Reva attempts to pursue them, but Wade distracts the Inquisitor by exchanging fire with her as the airspeeder uh, flees. Wade got too cocky, bro. Reva uses the force to hurl a rectangular explosive at Wade's airspeeder, causing it to explode. Sully is devastated, but flies away. The fifth brother scowls at the third sister before walking away. And then later on, a furious Darth Vader meets with the third sister, fourth sister, and fifth brother. He force chokes Reva and levitates her. And Vader wants to kill her for her repeated failures. However, Reva manages to save her life by revealing that she has placed a tracker on their ship, and she promises that the Empire will soon uncover the location of the Path Network and Kenobi. Vader decides to spare Reva, and the fifth brother protests, reminding them that the base was almost destroyed. And Vader warns Reva that he will not tolerate any more mistakes, and Reva reassures him that the tracker is properly secured and that they will be able to track down the Path fugitives. Yeah, I give her credit. More, more badassery from Darth Vader. Oh yeah, it was awesome. The scene of him like power walking essentially to go discipline his <laughs> disciple. You have failed me again. <sighs> yeah, this is iconic villain. Not even Star Wars villain. Um, and it's good for good for Viva to have put in or replaced the uh, the tracker. Um, on, and you learn in a second what Kyle was from Trill's site. You learn what she what she made into the tracker. Yeah, because I was confused when she said that. Me too. Like, when me did too. she put like, a tracker I was like, on? no, you didn't. You lied. I was like, you are me. lying through your teeth. You are bullshit and Darth Vader to like, his I face. Respect, I respect the bullshit, but we didn't see nothing. <laughs> oh, man. Meanwhile, Sully's airspeeder is picked up by a larger ship and Roken asks where Wade is. And Sully uh, replies that they are now all soldiers before sitting to grieve her comrades passing Tala offers cocky, bro i'm telling you Tala offers her a drink while kenobi sits beside leia and leia extends a hand to her rescuer 
Uh, and let's just say Sully was down in that drink, too. I don't blame her. Uh, Leia's droid, Lola beeps and glows red, and then we cut to the credits, and that is exactly where our tracker is. It's in the droid! That was, that was a wild mini-plot twist that I didn't see coming. Darth Vader, I'm gonna keep liking the show, so yeah. I think the biggest question now that I have from this episode, knowing that they're off to wherever they're going to, I forget where. Um, are we gonna see Quinlan Voss in this show? We have two episodes left after, <laughs> after today's episode. Um, because he's part of the path, and it seems like they're trying to, you know, emphasize you know, what the path is almost. Um, I feel like we might get Quinlan Voss next week. We might. Hopefully it's not just a one-timer because if Darth Vader's hot on the trail, yikes. Big old yikes. <laughs> yeah. and, no, that'd be awesome. I, I think we're going to get a live-action Cal, Kestis. That was also a preseason speculation by a lot of people, and I think we brought that up when we did our mm-hmm. expectations for the show. Uh, the other thing I have is, you know, we've said this a couple times since it happened. I still don't think they're retconning Rebels, but with two episodes left, we've got to see the Grand Inquisitor oh, show up again. So I saw something about that, and I concluded in my own opinion. So apparently his race of alien has two stomachs. Okay. And he looks really skinny in Rebels. So... My dumbass, and I found someone on TikTok that agreed with me. My dumb, I, I thought, well, if you get stabbed in one stomach and you're used to eating like a hobbit, eating two stomachs worth of food, you're gonna thin down. You're gonna look more bony and more like depressed and more sithy. So maybe that's their way of like not going rebels accurate, is because he got stabbed in the stomach, loses the ability to have two stomachs, has to get some Sith droid modification. Some torturing, you know, because he failed. And then he, you know, gets skinnier. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't seen Rebels yet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've seen, like, what the Grand Inquisitor yeah, looks like in Rebels. In he's he's much like, thinner he's and a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Especially since this week, like, Tala brings up the Grand Inquisitor. Like, he's got to be out there somewhere. Or maybe maybe he got thinner because of like maybe my my theory is a little bit wrong, but like they had to modify him, and the way they modified him, they like put like you know maybe like part of his tummy is like robot, so that made him taller, but at the mm. price of being thinner. Either way, I think it's something in that. The two stomachs thing is very very interesting, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if like, even though Dave Filoni's not like truly part of this show, if it wasn't like hey here's this, use it later on. Um, it just slides the card. I like card. that a lot. Yes, sir. But I, I do feel like we got to see him at some point. Yeah, I think it might, it might just end with him, like maybe in not even next week, like the final episode, it might show him in like a back to tank himself. Mm. Or maybe it ends with him, or maybe the season, like, it, I don't know. They'll definitely be a cameo of some sort. He's so, just in a back to tank next to. Uh, Darth Vader? No, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Bubble Freak? <laughs> Our guy that allegedly got murked at the end of Book of Boba Fett. Oh, the Timothy Olyphant. I forget his Star Wars. Cobb Vance? 
Uh, it's Cobb Vance, right? It's something. No. It's Cobb Vance, right? It's something Vance. Cobb Vance, Kyle Vance, Bob Vance. No, what is his name? It's oh Cobb Vance, I thought. Not, not Cobb, the blue guy. Oh, Cad Bane. Cad Bane, yes. Because we just saw him laying on the street at the end of Book of Boba Fett. That'd be kind of cool. It's like, oh. Because Cad Bane was in Rebels, right? Yes. He's also in Bad Batch. So, who knows? Could be interesting there. Um, Could be interesting is you are correct. I like this episode a lot in terms of just, like, plot building and, like, taking... just don't like how short it is. That's, that's all yeah. I understood why it was because it was this episode was kind of like that episode that's like taking you from first half of the season to the second half. It was like the transport episode almost, um, which I didn't I didn't hate, um, and I think they packed a lot into this episode too for it only being like thirty minutes. So good job on you know the showrunners and everything. Um, I think we we took a lot away from this, and it's it's going to build up for yeah. you know episode five and six to be. I'd still give it like a really solid good. eight out of ten. I didn't hate it. I Is that your official score? Eight out of yes, ten. Sir. Yes, sir. I am gonna give this episode. I think like an eight two. Yeah, out it's of just 10. it's it was a, it was a build up plot yeah. building episode with, with some awesome action, and then just the length of it kind of weighted me like going a little more uh, skimpy on the uh, like on the rating. Yeah, I didn't hate it, and I think it was like a nice little perfect segue type episode that was the word i was looking for it's going to segue into the the penultimate episode (laughs) and the finale being uh absolute bangers because this show has been fantastic through and through and uh i think we're we're in for big time treats when it comes to the final two episodes of this show because I do it's declare. been a masterpiece so far, in my opinion. I do declare that Big Decree is going to be talked about next. Uh, Dylan, you may be right. Uh, Victor Creel is on his way to uh, scare some kids, and I gotta—I <laughs> just realized I didn't add in this part of the overlay, so I'm adding it in now. But we are going to be talking about Episode 5 of Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 1. So let's head to the Upside Down as uh, Victor Creel has uh, come back into our lives. And luckily, I've been watching as my mom's been watching along, so I've kept yeah. it a little fresh. Because I binged it all here. in one go, so for me to go look backwards, I'm literally about Googling on my computer. I'm like, uh, what happened again? Because I know it, but I don't want to accidentally say six and jump the gun. Yeah, so episode five was... After we ran up that hill uh, and got that scene of Stranger Things. Episode 5, The Nina Project. Um, This episode, I think, was criminally underrated for, like, how good it was and what it brought to the table for this season. Um, So after their escape from the... From the U.S. military ambush, Agent Harmon is slowly dying from the gunshot wounds with Jonathan Dude. urging Argyle to drive to a hospital. What a national treasure. It's a sad, yes. sad to see him go. But the wounded man rejects and tells the kids to warn Owens of the impending attack and utters the word Nina before succumbing to his injuries. 
Back at the buyer's residence, the rest of the military arrive and raid the place with Agent Wallace surviving the attack, albeit heavily injured. And he's asked to spill the location of Eleven by Colonel Scumbag Jack Sullivan. Uh, because I don't know about you, Dylan, I can't stand him. Yeah, that, I'll give Wallace credit, man. He's hanging in there. Uh, elsewhere on the road, Eleven and Owens arrived at a secret facility in Ruth, Nevada. Uh, they venture through the lab and meet scientists. And I love how it's just this random shed in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Nothing yeah, else like, there. So that, I, I thought they were going to do Area 51. That's yeah. Um, so they meet scientists who have given up their normal lives and believe the same ideals as Owens. Further into the facility, Eleven is introduced to the Nina Project. And, and then... The big reveal, which obviously we saw him in the opening eight minutes, but it was a flashback to 1979. But for the first time fully since season one of Stranger Things, when he got absolutely attacked by the Demogorgon. And then in season two, we saw him in kind of mind tricks from eight. We can fully confirm now Dr. Martin Brenner is still alive. Unless it's test subject eight giving her visions the entire time. Uh, this was, this was wild when I saw that he was actually alive, um, you know, thought to have died from the Demogorgon attack. And he states that he knows the reason that Eleven has lost her powers and also, uh, has a way for her to regain them and ask Eleven if they could work together once more. Remembering the traumatic memories that he had caused, Eleven attempts to escape, but gets captured and sedated by other doctors and personnel in the lab. Kamchatka! Back to Kamchatka! Hopper is beaten and taken into another cell where Antonov is being held, and Hopper confronts Antonov for breaking his vow and being able to trust Yuri, who had betrayed both of them for his own benefit, with Antonov not knowing his agenda. After their confrontation, Antonov tries to bribe their way out, but to no avail as Hopper had uh, gave up hope of, of escaping. Antonov tries to reignite Hopper's spirit by telling him that there is a way out, uh... There's a way to save the captured Joyce, but Hopper claims that the more Joyce gets close to him, the more he is putting her at risk. Hopper thinks uh, thinks of himself as cursed and tells Antonov how he is put in, uh, you know, into the military when he's 18. He's mixing Agent Orange with no protective, you know, wear or anything like that. Uh, and he's deployed to the field uh, when he was 18, like I said. He inhales the chemical mix when fixing buffalo turbines, uh, and Hopper is informed that the mix was herbicide to kill plants and is harmless. After a period of time, Hopper and his co-workers tried to return to their normal lives and set up families only for their children to be stillborn or were born with deformities. Sometime later, Diane and Hopper have their healthy daughter, Sarah, who we have met previously through flashbacks, um, but suffered and died of cancer at a young age with Hopper never revealing the agent inside him. Uh, his wife eventually left him, and Hopper drowns in, uh, his sorrows in drugs and alcohol until Elle and Joyce started to come into his life. Hopper comes to regret his decision of sending the package to Joyce as it put her in danger and worries that he would accidentally get her killed just like he did to Sarah. Hopper comes to the realization that he's not cursed, but he's the curse himself. I couldn't help but be so emotional during this. It was sad. I also like how I'm watching season two, and when it's one of the scenes where Elle finds the case files in the cabin, there's a box labeled Vietnam. Vietnam. 
Uh, so it just comes full circle. So obviously Hopper has a very complicated past and we learned that he was literally making napalm in chemical warfare, which is crazy. Curious <laughs> that's part of the reason why he can survive in the upside down. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I think he's just built different. He's built. He's built tough. True. But he's built for tough. He's built for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's definitely emotional, and just how you can't help but feel for characters like him and Miss Byers and Will Byers, characters who have essentially suffered the entirety of the show. Like a lot of the kids have gone through crazy shit, um, but not every character has had to really suffer. Which is why I personally think whether it's going to happen this season or early in the season five, we're going to lose several characters. It's because the show is about bringing people back together, like after being away from a while, which is going to happen at the end of this season. And then I also think that going forward, I think every character, every, every person, every family, like whether it's blood or not blood in this show kind of experiences like losses together. Um, and the main group of kids really, they haven't lost one of their own yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I hate to foreshadow folks, but, uh, the, the depression is going to keep on going. I, I hope it's Mike's dad because he's just a loser. Yeah, that's fine. We, we, we can write him off. <laughs> he's such a scumbag. Um, so we go to fish and fly where Yuri is transporting his now two prisoners, yes. Joyce and Murray. And travels to Russia where he intends to hand them off to the KGB and use the money to support his family, buy his daughter a pony, all that good stuff. Uh, and during their travel, Murray tries to call out to Yuri to no avail, only for Joyce to realize that Yuri can't hear anything while they're on the flight. Taking advantage of the moment, Joyce tries to cut them loose by using a shard from one of the peanut butter jars. Man, what a time, peanut butter being glass jars. Um, yeah, that's what, that blew, blew my mind. Uh, with the pair formulating a plan to take Yuri out. Their escape is foiled when a peanut butter jar rolls beside Yuri and holds Joy at gunpoint, but Murray manages to free himself and fights Yuri with the former knocking the smuggler out because uh, Murray karate. is a champion of karate. Dude, Murray kicked his ass. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was going to go the way. I thought he was going to get his ass kicked. I'm very relieved to see it the other way around. Yes. Uh, and then... Uh, he leaves the plane without a pilot and struggling to gain altitude. Joyce and Murray crash the plane onto a nearby, into a nearby forest. And during Eddie's stay over at the boathouse in Coal Mill, his presence is taken notice by two other fishermen. Oh, he thinks, got released. <laughs> all that reefer Rick uh, got released out of jail. And Eddie calls over the group who still resides at the Wheelers uh, and requests another food delivery trip due to food shortages in the house. Back at the Wheeler's residence, Max draws several pictures uh, which depict the nightmare that she had been trapped in by Vecna, calling back to what Will did back in Season 2. Yes. 
He drew everything. Uh, Nancy and, yeah. Nancy and Dustin examined the drawings soon after, and Max tells the pair of the things that she had seen and went through with Dustin theorizing that he had accidentally, that she had accidentally infiltrated Vecna's mind, kind of like Freddy Krueger. Uh, one of the Not pictures, kind of like exactly like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> one of the pictures captures Nancy's interest as it depicts a stained glass window that she had seen before. And Nancy begins to piece together the pictures and draws the outline to reveal that it is the house of Victor Creel, uh, albeit in pieces. Finding the next lead, they proceed to wake and inform the others. After being sedated, Eleven is put back into her room in the Hawkins lab and reverted back to her old appearance. She tries to escape the facility but winds up in the Rainbow Room where all the other children are playing with a friendly orderly reminding her of the activities. Eleven tries to leave but is back at the room with the same moment repeating over and over while other scientists monitor her outside after Eleven is put into Nina. Owens realizes that she is rejecting the Nina program and concern uh, has concern for her safety with Brenner reassuring him that they will find a way within the simulation. Stopping at an automobile junkyard, Mike, Will, and Jonathan bury Harmon's corpse with Argyle panicking that they should report it to the authorities and Jonathan sends him to get high in order to calm his nerves. Mike and Will reflect on uh, reflect of the past and recent events and Argyle tries to pay respects to the agent by writing a tombstone, but finds the pen not working. Seeing this, Mike remembers that Harmon had given him the pen before he died and pieces together that the pen contains a memo which details a phone number. Back at the Munson trailer, Wayne is visited by the agents who proceed to examine his house and find an ooze crack in the ceiling where Chrissy had perished uh, and is asked to relocate. At Chrissy's funeral, the residents of Hawkins express their grief with her session... Uh, when her session is attended by Jason and the basketball uh, players with Patrick now seeing the grandfather clock and its chimes in the back room. After the funeral, Jason and his team discuss on how uh, the Hellfire Club is hiding the culprit with Patrick thinking that the matter should be handled by the cops. Jason brings out the list of places that the club uh, had been to with one of the members mentioning that someone had been in Reefer Rick's home as spotted by the neighbors the other day and assigns each location to other members after being informed by nancy of the discovery the group arrives at the creel house and investigates the surrounding uh areas while leaving the bag in the main hall and when steve did that i was like son of a bitch something's gonna happen here where they need that backpack um max finds the actual grandfather clock that is frequently present in her hallucination the group decides to split into groups of two, very a la Scooby-Doo, and search yeah. the entire house for leads with neither of the groups noticing uh, the chandelier turning on at the lobby. After Eleven tries to escape with no prevail, she notices the younger image of herself through the mirror in the rainbow room and is indirectly informed by Brenner through the speaker that Eleven buries the memories deep after a traumatic incident and tells her that she has to live through the memories again in order to find a way out. Having left with no choice, uh, she proceeds to remember her first fragment of the lost memories. And in one of those memories, 11 and uh, 15 other kids are trained to move the lights in a circular manner using their mind with 11 struggling on the exercises. Other kids thought she is a waste of time, especially by two. Suddenly, 11 has traveled back to that fateful day in 1979 where the massacre took place, which causes her body to go into cardiac arrest with Owens commanding the scientist to remove her from Nina. 
uh, finding a phone booth alongside the road. Shout out to the Arkells. Who the fuck uses a pay phone? Uh, <laughs> this guy, apparently. The California group dials the number only to hear random sequence of noises. And Will realizes that they are not calling a person, but they're calling a computer. Realizing that they need a hacker, Mike plans out a trip to Salt Lake City, Utah, to meet up with the one and only Susie Bingham, uh, who contributed... That's the first time you get to see her in, like, person. Yes. Um, who contributed in closing the portal and destroyed the Mind Flayer during the events in Star- Starcourt Mall in Season 3. Sometime later, Eddie spends his time in the boathouse and notices that Jason Patrick and Andy had tracked him down to Reefer Rick's place, and the boys investigate uh, the inside of the house and discover traces of Eddie's cooking, and Eddie frantically calls Dustin only for no one to answer it back as the walkie-talkie is left along uh, with the bag in the main hall of Victor Creel's house. Victor Creel! Investigating inside the house, Steve discovers jars contained of black widows hidden beneath the grate in the bathroom, which makes that theory from new rock stars about Black Widow the movie and Stranger Things being connected all that much more real. Um, So then, elsewhere in the house, Lucas and Max discover lights flickering with other lights soon to follow. Nose for Rack 2. Oh man, he always be turning the lights on. Late at night, the group gathers around the flickering chandelier and conclude Vecna is in the room. Nancy f- formulates the plan and spreads everyone around the house with their flashlights turned off. Robin gets a hold of Vecna's trail with Steve, leading the group after picking up the trail again and head toward the attic. Back in Cole Mill, Jason notices that they have not checked the boathouse and goes out that to investigate. That going to mean something in Volume 2. I oh, feel yeah. It. Uh, they go investigate the boathouse with Patrick, and he takes notice of the missing boat as Eddie paddles it to the middle of Lover's Lake. And Eddie attempts to start the engine, but fails as the boys go swimming after him. Man, imagine if they were on the swim team when we were in high school. Yo, they were they were they were, they were getting, flying. Man. They were going. Um, and at the attic, the group gathers around the single flicker oh, flickering light. Let's go, weirdo. As Jason and Patrick, or the flickered lights with other flashlights soon followed as Vecna prepares to kill his next victim. As Jason and Patrick nearly catch Eddie, Patrick is pulled under the lake and levitates as all of his bones snap. His eyes get gouged out, which cause all other lights in the attic to be burst due to immense amounts of energy unleashed by Vecna. Rip my guy, Patrick. Back in the facility, Eleven is brought back to life by other scientists after her first attempt in the Nina and... Uh, in near death and 11 smacks Brenner in the face using a defibrillator and tries to escape again only to be stopped by the guards. But 11 manages to unleash a powerful telekinetic force and knocks other guards unconscious. Brenner approaches 11 with her attempting to use it again, only for it to not manifest. Brenner gestures to 11 to come back with him, which she willingly accepts to regain her powers fully. That gate closes. And then we cut to the credits. I love this episode. I think it, it, I liked it too. It packs um, so much into the the hour and change that this episode was with three different po- plot lines, pretty much, where you have everything going on with the Nina Project, everything going yeah. on in California. Actually, it's four because you have the the California kids. You have you know our our Scooby Doo adventure group in Victor Creel's house. And then uh, you also have, you know, everything going on with Eddie and, and the basketball team. So there's Watch like four plot lines going on in one episode, which I think is absolutely, one, oh, difficult to, to pull off. 
and then two they pull it off masterfully um and it, it's kind of just building up to what we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks but the storytelling in this episode and like the the plot building is so well done yeah no i definitely agree um i, I like the episode like i said r.i.p patrick um this is where things start to get real when I mean, they already were real but like what did they get for do they get four to seven it's Creel. The, you know <laughs> they get <Creel. laughs> i like that uh things just really start to hit um and all in all it's a good episode i, I give it probably do you, do, you, do you recall what i gave last week um I I, i've been in the eights yeah i'm just gonna say like 8.5 yeah i like this episode i'm gonna be in an eight eight um especially with the reveal of Brenner being alive, like full yeah, blown that's, that's confirmed. Cool little, like, Whoa! That's like, holy shit. Yowza. Um, um, and I like the, the Scooby-Doo yeah. team up crew, I think is, is really, really fun. All right, um, I got to say something now before I forget it. So if for some reason, well, obviously you're listening. If you watch Stranger Things, but if you haven't watched the last two episodes, please go run up that hill and go do it. Okay. So, we know that a Creel, maybe not Victor Creel, but a Creel and Vecna may, may be a little closer than you realize at first, okay? And we learned that the Creel that is, in fact, way too close to Vecna, <coughs> it is Vecna, likes spiders, okay, right, right? Stay with me here. What does the Mind Flayer look like? It looks like a spider. There you go. That is all. Carry on. <laughs> I had to get back. I was just thinking about that when I was looking at reading the synopsis and stuff. I was like, yo, hey, yo, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, I, I think this episode is like massive in terms of just like what's also going to happen in the future, even in the episodes we haven't seen yet. Um, I'm very excited to see where things get. And obviously we're going to be talking about episode six next week. And then episode seven the following week. So if you haven't watched the episodes yet, get on those things. That was Victor Creel. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. No. Dong. To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. But it is now time to enter back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for Miss Marvel Episode 1. Kamala Khan is here. This show, in my opinion, is going to be super, super fun. We said last week on our like predictions segment for this show we had zero expectations because we didn't know what to expect dylan and i's quote-unquote knowledge of miss marvel comes from the champions run in the comics we never read the full-blown miss i liked what they did though this week i don't know if you saw this dylan i think it was the official marvel account or disney account it might have been at d23 on twitter they tweeted out an article of everything that you should read and watch or play video game wise um, oh, that's awesome. Before watching Miss Marvel. And I thought that was a really cool touch. And I hope they do that going forward 
for all the rest of the shows for new characters and stuff because i think that's important for the casual fans of of marvel and like the people that are only watching the movies and shows to kind of get a backstory of like what they're diving into yeah kyle and i were contemplating getting the uh comic description and splitting it with another friend and then being able to nerd out so yeah there's definitely more avenues to read and watch marvel and, and video games too yeah that's Awesome. Which I will say, Pat Pitts just got it, so we might be able to just mooch off of him. Oh, did he really? <laughs> yeah, he he told me yesterday he just got it because he wants to dive more into like the lore of stuff. And that's cool. And for, uh, for a man who never watched half the movies, yeah, who now, just binged through everything, except Marvel guy. I was like, I told him, I said, you got to watch Daredevil before you watch Hawkeye, and he's like, well, I did this thing where when Disney Plus did their update. <laughs> For the parental controls, I accidentally turned the parental controls on. So there's no way for me to undo. I was like, here, call this number and tell them to unlock it for you. I love that. <laughs> um, so episode one of Miss Marvel, which will be a six episode uh, series on Disney Plus. Episode one titled Generation Y, spelled W-H-Y. Uh synopsis of the episode kamala khan she's a 16 year old high school teenager and a fangirl of the avengers particularly captain marvel and this show kicks off with the coolest animation uh like drawings and stuff like that and turns out kamala khan is a youtuber, YouTuber. uploading fan fan theories and and thoughts and series and stuff um I loved the intro of this episode. It was very Scott Pilgrim, very into the Spider-Verse, which yeah. Dylan and I are big fans of both of those uh, movies. And for that to be incorporated into a show, you know the budget that it takes to animate all that stuff. I thought it was really, really cool and an awesome way to kick the show off. Yeah. Apparently on the panel when they were doing the interviews before the show released and everything with the directors and the cast... Uh, the guys from New Rockstars, Eric Voss, was on that panel, and they said that uh, a bunch of the people, like producers and stuff, and Kamala Khan, the actor herself, um, who is played by Iman Vellani, they watch New Rockstars for inspiration, which I was like, that's so freaking cool. Yeah, I saw a video of her. She knows her stuff, uh, the Marvel lore. She's see her dunk on it. Kevin Feige? Yeah, she's she's... <laughs> She's one of us, you know, she's a nerd. Uh, she dunked on Kevin Feige saying and, that Earth 616 is not the MCU. It's one nine 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 nine. Yeah, no, I love that. And she knows her stuff. Like I said, not 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 every actor in our Marvel universe knows that much superhero lore. And I'm not knocking them. Uh, I know there's been videos that, that, that went viral when they were asking a bunch of the actors who have been in Thor movies. They said, "What are what's Thor's hammer called? And... I think like one person got it right, and then Paul Rudd said Jonathan. That's a very famous <laughs> meme. What's Thor's hammer's name? Uh, Jonathan. <laughs> well, we'll talk about Paul Rudd in a minute, actually, uh, because he does come up in this uh, montage where quite a bit. I like how they kind of helped interpret how everybody knows what happened during Endgame, because Scott Lang has a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Big me, little me. <laughs> yeah. I think that is like the the most meta and funny way to interpret to the MCU of 
the events of Endgame for the people that didn't know what was going on or the people that were blipped. It's like, yeah, this is what was going on during everything, and he's just talking to his friends about what happened uh, yeah. on a podcast. And I hope, because I tried to look it up today, I didn't see it. I hope they turn that into an actual podcast. That would I'll be do some, incredible. While you're summarizing, I'll do my usual trick and see if I can dig up. That would be sneaky, incredible. Um, so we see Kamala, you know, doing uh, her YouTube and living in her what her parents call "quote unquote" fantasy land. Uh, and after failing another driver's test by crashing into her teacher's car, who, at first glance, I thought the driving instructor was the teacher oh, from Stranger Things. Yeah, me too. I thought that's who the actor was. I don't think it was, but I could I be wrong. It, was. it might be. Um, let's see. Let's do my usual usual searching. Um, I'm almost positive it is him. I would just look at the acting, the casting list, and then I would look at like go scroll down. Someone who probably only has one acting credit, just because. Yeah, I mean, I doubt. I doubt. Um, yeah, he's in more than one. Maybe he is though. You never know. I didn't see the guy credited. I see basketball player, Uncle Rajid, Rashad, Rashad, nice, nice agent, audience member, Hassan, Amir. Huh. Let's see. All cast and crew. I'm looking too. I'm looking, looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. We can't find it soon. We gotta go back to what we were doing. We can't let the can't leave the folks hanging for too long. But we, I am curious. I don't even see. It's important to know while we're talking, uh, or while Kyle's looking, that Bruno's character in the comic book is her sidekick yes sometimes love interest depending upon what you're reading um but you know everyone gets their sidekick and that's her sidekick yeah couldn't find that but if we do find it we'll tweet it out because uh, i did see a lot of parallels between stranger things and kamala khan and like the way that this first episode was interpreted um which was very fun uh so Kamala and her best friend Bruno Corelli create a plan to attend Avengers Convention, AvengerCon, which apparently Kevin Feige has plans to make into a real thing, Dylan, which means we will absolutely be going to AvengerCon. Yeah. Uh, what are you cosplaying as? Uh, something bald. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say Bane, but I was like, wait, that's DC. MODOK? Well... Funny you say that. Well, that's pretty much the the streaming platform multiverse news and notes that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but while avoiding Khan's parents' strict rules, Khan receives a package from her grandmother of old junk from her mom, but is enthralled by a golden bangle. Uh, she takes the bangle to the convention, intending to use it as part of her Captain Marvel cosplay. As she prepares to get on stage, Khan puts on the bangle, which grants her the ability to shoot energy constructs, causing havoc at the convention. But as soon as she puts it on, she kind of falls backwards and then we fall into like this purple cosmic plane almost where we see a bunch of shadowy figures and eyeballs, which yeah. immediately gave me ancestral plane duot type vibes. Yeah, it was cool. Um, which makes me think this bangle, 
I don't know if this is what you thought, Dylan, but when I saw that happen, this bangle might have, you know, family ancestral lineage where it's coming from her grandma. Her mom was not very uh, privy to her having it. It's like, go put that in the attic to her brother. Um, I, I feel like this could be, you know, something that gets passed down and her mom like maybe had it and didn't like what was happening because we saw in this episode too, like Bruno uh, gets a bunch of food from Kamala's mom and gets it in like 10 seconds. And there's like four platters that girl yeah. got speed. Um, I'm wondering if her mom has she, superpowers that she's kind of just suppressed. Um, she was bad. So we get her causing havoc at the convention. Bruno rushes Kamala home where she is lectured and grounded by her mom. Uh, and then, you know, a whole bunch of, of fun stuff. Her, her dad dresses up as the Hulk, which I loved. Um, that was awesome. That was, that was funny. great. Um, and it's kind of like, like you said earlier, it's a coming of age show. She's 16. She's one of the young Avengers in the comics. She's one of the champions, um, which is a lot of fun as well. Uh, very fun comic series that I recommend yeah. everybody go read. Um, before we get to the mid credit scene, what were your biggest takeaways from episode one? Um, yeah, it's uh, first of all, it's really it's an easy, easy watch. That's why Kyle's explanation in summary of it was pretty short. Like it was just typical high school. You know, she's struggling a little bit. She's creative. She's different. She wants to do an interest. Parents say no. Goes to the you know <laughs> interest anyway. Typical high school thing. She says later. Um. Also, really funny when they spy on the Easter egg, well, on the camera thing. Yeah. One of my parents says, "Oh, the, Kamala's not here or in the room. The brother's gone." I'm like, "Oh, turn that off, girl!" Oh, you're about, snap! You about to be traumatized? Um, no, I liked how they inadvertently advertised for Ant Man. They showed him several times, which has um, been a a big recurring thing on the Disney Plus shows where we've gotten a lot of Ant Man references. I think that's by the design where ant-man has done the worst i think box office wise like mm -hmm. out of the main heroes like thor captain america um i guess no nah, i guess not hawk movies because I, I don't know what the, the gross but like um i think even black widow might do better dr strange did well mm -hmm. like i think ant-man did well but like i remember there was a time where it was kind of a surprise that they did the second one and then people were even more surprised there's going to be a third one like there were rumors they weren't going to have a third one so i think maybe kyle's just kind of disney doing some like jedi mind tricks and kind of just subtly like reminding you that ant-man and paul rudd exist <laughs> like, and i also think it's one of those things because like the first real reference of ant-man we got on the disney plus shows was when yeah. kang shows up in loki where kang is like the big bad of phase four and like moving forward he's gonna be around for a long time and his first true appearance is supposed to be in ant-man and the wasp quantumania um yeah. so i think it's kind of like here's this don't forget ant-man's coming he's 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 gonna be important um because we obviously got him in loki we got references of ant-man uh during hawkeye and then obviously we got a Kang reference in Moon Knight as well, and now we get a full-blown Ant-Man reference in uh, yes, sir. In Miss Marvel. I I really like the the visuals of this show. Like you said, it's an easy watch because it's so colorful. It's aesthetically pleasing. the The Scott Pilgrim and Into the Spider Verse aesthetic is very up our alley, which we liked. I also like the subtle zombie Captain Marvel hint. 
Uh, I think that was a fun little <laughs> Easter egg for Marvel Zombies coming up later next year, um, which could be, you know, an interesting plot that they could dive into. I like that whole scene of like, how can we change up uh, your Captain Marvel thing? And it's like, oh, these are all Captain Marvel variants. Okay. Yeah, apparently, I'm doing some, I'm doing some digging, by the way. I was trying to see if the actor, his name is Randy Havens, the guy who plays Scott Clark. Okay. In Stranger Things. I was trying to see if he's credited in the show Miss Marvel, and he is not, but he is, ironically, in They Are redoing Fear Street. I don't know if that's like a play on. Yeah, no, isn't Netflix making yeah. Fear Street, right? Yeah, he's in that, uh, which is interesting. I think and that I think, comes out soon. I think Sadie. Sink is in that too. I don't okay. know. So, 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 someone else is in it. Anyway, that's ironic. And then secondly, I'm looking and he is <laughs> in Suicide Squad. I just wanted to really? bring that up. As Star-Crossed Man? I don't know who that is. Huh. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know because that was like, I'm trying to figure it out for the show and I have no idea. Uh, we also get a mid-credit scene in an episode one, which is very rare uh, for any Marvel property, but in a mid credit scene, the Department of Damage Control agents Cleary and Sadie Deaver watch a video of Kamala's incident at AvengerCon, and Cleary says, yeah, bring her in. Uh, and then we cut to the credits, which the credit scenes were also very, very cool and aesthetically pleasing. But my first question to you, Dylan, here for Miss Marvel, which I think we should start asking more questions about these Marvel shows yeah. as they go on. What are your thoughts on uh, Agent Cleary? Because obviously we saw him in Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, uh, he can't be trusted. Uh, he sus. Nor, nor can the female counterpart that he is uh, next to. Literally, if you Google her name, I think it's like Agent something Sadie Saver. Saver Deaver. Yeah. If you look at like the MCU page, it says like her enemy or like arch enemy is Miss Marvel. Um Interesting. And they work for a department of control, whatever, damage control. Yeah, damage control. Which, just which is everything from the... It just spells out NARC, all right? Yeah, the Department of Damage Control is everything that happened from the Battle of New York. and The NARCs. Cleary, I think, is, is a prime suspect for uh, Secret Invasion. I think he's a Skrull, because... He brought up information that how the heck would he know all of this unless he's somehow tied to Nick Fury, where he brought up that Nick Fury was off-world for a year um, in Spider-Man yeah, No Way how Home. You know <laughs> right, how you know Nick Fury is one of the most secretive guys in the entire MCU. Um, I don't trust Cleary at all, but uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If you were to trust Agent Cleary, my other thought is in terms of bringing her in, could he be working for Val? Ooh. And them trying to get just, like, the the thing, the, get the bangle from her to use for somebody that's going to be in the Dark Avengers or the Thunderbolts. Uh, that's a good... I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I like that. Also... If you haven't looked and cheated like Kyle and I do, uh, the character Red Dagger is going to be in this, which is a relative of Drumroll. Also, there is one of the actresses who is from 
uh, Wakanda. Ooh. In here. I think she's in, I think she's in, um, I think it's the love interest, right? Isn't the love interest of, uh, what's this? Oh, I forget what her name is, but my point is, I'm curious where this is going to go because there's like a couple of random superheroes in here or like yeah. characters. Uh, so one, we both agree. We can't trust Cleary. He's sus either way. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's being brought up in episode one, I think is going to be an ongoing plot piece uh, for this series. Number two, Dylan, what did you think of her powers coming from the uh, bangle and how they, I don't hate it. I think it's creative Liberty to um, do something different. Um, for me, I'm not going to rate this that high. It's not going to be like low. I think it'll be my lowest score to date on the show. Well, maybe not. But my point is like, I still don't hate it. It's just not my cup of tea so far. Um, but in terms of her powers, I do not hate that creative liberty. And I actually applaud them for trying to do something a little different. I know like the hardcore comic book nerds are like, Where's her, her stretchy powers? By mist in the comics! Mist! Mist! Which, I saw something from New Rockstars that they brought up, which would I think it was MT. He said that, you know, Kevin Feige brought up that whole point of, like, her powers typically come from Terrigen Mist. Um, and he said, we're not at that point in the MCU. And kind of Can implied yet. But wouldn't it be cool if, like, this presenting of her powers where it is kind of like this like hardened glass situation of the expanding, you know, limbs and everything <laughs> right there um, <laughs> where it's like, this is what happens while she just has the bangle. But in order for her to get like the stretchy limbs and everything, if they want to go that route, I'm just, they might not even go this route, but well, this she, already be cool. had, she already had the stretchy limb in this one. Right, but it was still kind of like in that glass form almost. That's true, that's true. Um, where, what if she needs the Terrigen Mist for it to like kind of like form to her like Yeah, or DNA. like have the powers without the, the bangle, the bracelet. Yeah, which I think would be also very, very cool. Yeah, no, there's definitely some like ways they can go about it. And I hope they explore it more. I will say though, excuse me. It's getting pretty hard from Marvel's standpoint, and it's not not that it's not their fault. It's just comics. It's so hard to curate a comic universe or like a live action universe off of comics, because a the source material is never going to be the same, and it's impossible to be. And b because there are so many famous comic book lines that end, and it's like it's its own like Earth. So it's like for the MCU, for the live action MCU to, to be concurrent, they obviously have to keep. A bunch of heroes like you can't do the deadpool line which deadpool kills all the avengers you can't do the one where frank castle kills all the avengers you can't do the one where the whole world's engulfed by zombies and that's our mcu you know what i mean so they have to kind of tread. which they are they are probably going to do but in an animated form yeah and they, it's just i'm saying it's i'm not i don't think marvel will ever go away i just don't oh, know yeah. how much longer the main continuity line's gonna go because they're kind of exhausting a lot of major points like they've already glanced on Thanos and they've already did Civil War but there is another there's a second Civil War in the comics so that's something we could explore 
So, but like, you get what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to be like a madman tinfoil hat. I'm just saying, in terms of like large events, there's only a couple left that would like fit with the heroes they have left. Um, I'm just happy to have another, another superhero, possibly superheroes, looking at the cast list introduced. I'm, I also like the Muslim and Pakistani rep- representation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people who are from the, the areas of the world and practice that kind of religion and like way of life or are happy to have like to be able to basically look at yeah see themselves you know what i mean like that's, yeah that's which awesome. has been the cool part about this phase of the mcu with the characters they've introduced like we've had kamala khan we've had uh you know mark specter uh and stephen grant as you know egyptian and jewish um i like i know, like we've, we've had a lot of representation coming through they which got is awesome people, got as many people in as they could and they're like well bam we're gonna make you culture america chavez first you know latina superhero and also first lgbtq uh plus superhero which i think is very cool as well um i like this episode a lot it, it has me like intrigued and like my brain running for the first time since like I don't even know what show because so, there's so many unflipped stones so far, yeah, which I like. Um, this episode was directed by Adil and Bilal. Um, and I mean, they are also going to be directing the finale. And then we also have Mira Manan, who will be directing episodes two and three. And then Charmin Obeyed Chinoy is directing episodes four and five. Uh, okay. So this show's going to run us to July 13th, which is very exciting. So we'll have nice. this through the summer. And so then, what would you rate it? This one, I'm going to give it not like too high since it is a pilot, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.3 out of 10. Um, just because I think there's Old like... Brother. Our there, scores are going to be so different. There's, there's some parts where, you know, it, it's just mystery, which I like. And you, it kind of gets your brain flowing, and that's going to be the fun part about us covering this show. And yeah. again, I've said it a number of times, the Scott Pilgrim into the Spider-Verse aspects of things uh, I think are going to continue because that's just Kamala Khan's character. And I'm, I'm excited for where this show's going to take us. Yeah, sorry. Even Mike Miller's barking in the background, trying, trying to not get that picked up. If it does, I apologize. If anyone listening, I have a crazy dog. Uh, but So I'm going to give the episode a six point six point Keith Miller my god it's crazy it's Miller time it is (laughs) no free ads six point eight interesting and that's just because I really don't care for the story so far and it's not i i actually fucking love that it's like not just a boring ass like textbooks comic book like origin like you know parents die while i'm crazy i'm what i want like I, I like that she has her whole family it's a, it's someone that's not like white you know it's 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 a woman as well like it is different i like that I just, in terms of like it being a young girl and like it being a coming of age, that's something that I don't have that much interest in at the moment. I think as the story progresses and she does more like powers and we get more of a plot, my score will go up. Uh, 6.8 is low, but it could be worse. It could be a 6.0. Um, I don't hate the show so far. I'm just not fully engulfed, interested. It's got me, but not fully, you know? I'm, I'm hanging by a thread. So we'll see how I feel after episode two. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, we've got two big topics for the streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes, that stay in the MCU. So, Dylan, it is time for everybody's favorite segment. It is the streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes, brought to you by the homies over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes, playpickup.com. Dylan, I don't know if you saw, but we got a release date for I Am Groot. Oh, it did? Don't mind me, folks. If you're watching the video, I'm just stretching. I have a cramp. (laughs) He's stretching his limbs. Uh, I Am Groot will be released on Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, it is the next show in the uh, the span of the MCU catalog. But a, f- Groot? a few things to take away from this. Uh, I Am Groot will have five episodes released all at once on August okay. 10th, which is the first time a Disney Plus show has ever done that, um, where they are releasing multiple episodes on one day. And allegedly... I Am Groot is a collection of animated shorts that surprisingly, they're not MCU canon, allegedly, but rather, as Guardians director James Gunn explained, they are canon to themselves. Okay, so that that, that intrigues me. Then it might take some creative liberties then. Yeah, so while this news took fans by surprise, that's not the only way Marvel and the galaxy's favorite Flora Colossus are mixing things up. Uh as they are going to be setting that new precedent of releasing multiple episodes on one day, um, which I don't know if that's going to pave the way for the MCU as a whole in the future, um, but it is only five episodes, so that'll drop. We'll have you know five episodes of I Am Groot to talk about later this summer, uh, because the following week is when She-Hulk drops, so it'll be back-to-back there. But animated shorts for I Am Groot, and I'm just intrigued because saying that it's not canon, James Gunn has been on the record saying there's going to be an important character introduced in this show. Yeah, um, and if you're watching the live stream, or not live stream, <laughs> watching the replay, I got water. So if you see a change of scenery and like lights, it's me getting water and grabbing something in the basement that you'll soon see if you're watching it. Uh, but no, yeah, people just want to whine, Kyle. I think we've realized that with Star Wars and Marvel fans and I'm all for people taking risks in movies and shows so I I can't wait do you think it's going to change the model for Disney Plus to release multiple episodes on a single day for MCU stuff um that's a good question I don't know I don't know the answer to that um I think maybe maybe not I guess it depends upon depends on the shows and like if they're canon and if they're canon in terms of affecting like the live action movie. Yeah. The other uh, piece of news that involves the MCU and the DCEU. I sent you this the other day when I saw my jaw drop. Kevin Feige allegedly had talks about joining the DC universe as their head of, you know, everything. That would be sick for him to be able to have two. Well, it was, it would be him. (laughs) This was a while ago, but it was him leaving Marvel to go work for DC. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but I have to, I'm sorry. I mean, like, being able to have be accredited for, like, starting two universes. Which would be nuts. Since, and since if... the DCE is in flames right now, let's be honest. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, 
Um, if that happened, what do you think would have happened for the DCU? Do you, how do you think it would be different, the same? Well, he would have, so him and his companion like to do, uh, like a story. Oh, shysters, I just dropped my phone. He likes to like build stuff up. So my point is, I think he would have built up a Justice League. But yeah, like a big... legit one, like some of the side heroes, like you know, like the big guys, like Batman, blah blah blah. blah. Because the the, like, the interesting part about why he almost left is because uh, his former partner, who I don't believe uh, works for Marvel anymore, is Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter. Um, before Captain America: Civil War, there were creative differences where. Uh, Perlmutter is rumored to be wanting to cut costs, famously not wanting to pay for Robert Downey Jr. to be in Civil War. Uh, And he was not sold on the idea of diverse superhero films, such as Captain Marvel and Black Panther, uh, which created frictions and Feige eventually won, giving him complete control over Marvel Studios and reporting only to the top Disney executives. But, like, the fact that you didn't want to introduce two iconic marvel characters in the cinematic universe because you're so close-minded and it's like oh i don't know how it's gonna be shut the fuck up ike perlmutter you're a bozo um but i mean the fact that kevin feige it just kind of asserted his dominance and was able to win over the disney execs and everything like that he did this bot right on the table (laughs) (laughs) um I think with Kevin Feige, obviously he's going to have a Star Wars movie later on this year or next year, which I'm very excited about. But I'd be interested to see his take on a number of the the DCEU projects. More specifically, our favorite Dark Knight. It would have been fun to see him kind of interpret Batman. It should be interesting Batman. just to see someone have like a plan. Because like the current DCEU, just when it seems like they're getting a plan it all comes falling apart. And that may be due to the fact that one of their actors is a fucking psychopath. But... Valid. But, nonetheless, it's like there there feels less of a plan and more creative differences where at least the MCU, everything connects. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels a little cheesy, but most times it does feel linear and it does make sense. And we've seen the fun stuff that, you know... People who work for Marvel, a la our Lord and Savior James Gunn, when he touches things in the DC universe, they work. And I think that's also a credit to him being able to work alongside Kevin Feige, where we see the masterpieces that come from James Gunn. And Peacemaker was incredible. The new Suicide Squad was incredible. And I feel like more of that would happen if you had people connected to Kevin Feige working on the DCEU. Yeah. Completely agree. Let us know how you feel about Kevin Feige, what you think would have happened if he went to DC in the YouTube comments section or on the Apple podcast reviews. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at streamer S Z N follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at K B I Z Z L three one one. Check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content, subscribe to the podcast feed, the YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Leave the five-star ratings and reviews. Click the like button, the bell icon, 
and leave us those recommendations. Let us know yes. how you're feeling about Miss Marvel, Obi Wan Kenobi, Stranger Things. Let us things. know, or else I'll take this wand that I just found in my desk, Harry Potter wand, and I'll do one of the spells that I don't don't remember. If you don't leave us recommendations. And, uh, of course, big thank you to our sponsors, Tom Oakshades, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board. You can check out everything involved with them in the podcast notes and the YouTube description. Uh, go support our sponsors because they support us big time. Uh, this has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive TV and movie podcast for streaming platforms on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For my fellow Calabunga boy, Dylan Mazzola, I'm KB. And until next week, keep running up that hill.